0: Our gospel lesson today begins with John the Baptist in John's gospel, and right at the very beginning here, people want to know who John is. They say to him, who are you? And he confesses. He doesn't even deny it. He just answers the question he knows is probably on their heads, and he says, I'm not the Messiah. But then they go on to ask him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? Are you a prophet? He doesn't really answer them, but we can see the answer at the very start of John's gospel. John the Baptist is a witness. John the Baptist came to witness, to testify to the light that was coming into the world. John's gospel talks about witnesses throughout it, I don't know if you're aware, but John is very different than Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Those three Gospels are known as the Synoptic Gospels. Mark was the first one written. Matthew and Luke used some of Mark's material when they wrote their Gospels, and they also shared another source known as the Q Source in the writing of their Gospels. Matthew and Luke have the birth of Jesus told. Each of them tell it. Mark doesn't tell it at all. He starts when Jesus is getting baptized by John the Baptist. But John's gospel stands even outside of those three. John's gospel starts with the beginning of all time, and then quickly, as you can see here, moves to John the Baptist coming into the world to witness and testify to the light. Our gospel reading today is from the first chapter of John, so you can see how early in this book, John shows up as a witness. And throughout John's gospel, we hear of people witnessing to who Jesus is, telling others of who Jesus is. There are several stories in John's gospel that we do not find in the synoptics in Matthew, Mark, or Luke. One of them is of Nicodemus, a Pharisee who comes to Jesus at night this is in the third chapter of John, and he says to Jesus, Rabbi, we know that you are a person of God because you couldn't do what you do unless you were. Do you hear Nicodemus' witnessing? He sees what Jesus is doing, and so he wants to ask Jesus some important questions. In the fourth chapter of John, we have another story that's not found in the Synoptic Gospels. That's the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. She goes out to the well to draw water, as is the custom, and Jesus is there. And breaking several taboos, he engages her in conversation. She is a Samaritan, he is a Jew. So even that is another reason they shouldn't be in conversation, but they are. And Jesus tells her about the living water, and she says, I really want that. And in their conversation, as they continue to talk, he talks to her about her personal life. He says, I know that you do not have a husband. You have had seven husbands, and the one that you have now is not your husband. From all of this, then, she leaves the well... And she goes back home, and she tells the people that she knows about Jesus. She wants them to come because she said, He can't be the Messiah, can he? That's her actual question. And so people come out with her to the well, and they meet Jesus. And you hear by that fourth the end of that fourth chapter of John that the people believed because of what she had told them. Another story in John's Gospel talks about the power of witness, the raising of Lazarus from the dead. This is only told in John's Gospel in the 11th chapter. You probably remember that Jesus gets word that Lazarus is very very ill. He hears about this from his sisters, Martha and Mary. They send word to Jesus who's about a 3 days journey away from where they are. And they tell him to come quickly. But Jesus waits. He doesn't go. Only a few days later does he decide to set back out to Bethany, and he tells his disciples before they leave, before they start their journey, that he is glad that this has happened so that they might witness what God can do. And when he gets to Bethany and meets first Martha and Mary and learns from them that Lazarus has died... He comes to the tomb, and he says a prayer kind of out loud for everyone to hear. He says, thank you to God that this has happened so that people might witness what the power of God can do. And with that, he gives instructions to roll away the stone, and he calls Lazarus from the grave. Even at the end of John's Gospel, we hear about the witness Those that stayed at the foot of the cross. We have no reference for those people in the other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But John talks about them. The Gospel of John talks about those that witnessed the death of Jesus on the cross. His disciples that stayed with him. The beloved disciple and his mother. Those were the two that remained. Even at the conclusion of the Gospel, it's a beautiful ending. It says look, the one who's told you these stories testifies to them that they're true. And there are many more stories, the gospel writer says, that can't fit in this book. In fact, there wouldn't be a book big enough to contain all of the stories of Jesus. We don't know who wrote John's gospel, but we see the emphasis over and over and over again of the witnessing to what God is doing in the world. And that's what John the Baptist Is doing. He comes out into the wilderness dressed in camel's hair, abstaining from all things, even giving up all things. He's in poverty out there because he wants to be a witness that cannot be challenged. He wants to be a reputable witness, someone that can be trusted in what he has to say. And we know the power of witness even in our own lives, do we not? It's very important. When I'm doing a wedding ceremony, at the conclusion, the bride and groom come and they sign the book. There's a space for the bride. There's a space for the groom. And then there are two lines for the witnesses. Because all that makes someone married to another person is the promises made to each other. And when people witness them, they say, we heard people tell each other these promises. And that's why we know they're married, because we heard them. The power of witness, right? You need a notary to uh, notice that you signed something? Why? Because you need to have it validated. It's the witness that makes all the difference. In John's gospel, we see that too, as John the Baptist enters the scene. And at the very beginning, the author of the gospel tells us that John has come to witness and to testify. And we see John take on a life so that he cannot be challenged in the authenticity of his witness. But it's not without difficulty for him. And I think sometimes we forget that witnessing has such power in our life and in the life of faith. And so we forget to honor the power of witness. Consider your own faith journeys, my friends. You didn't come to this place because you read an interesting article. You came to this place because of someone's witness to what God has done in their lives. They may not be able to tie it all up neatly in a bow and hand it to you in a package. I'm sure they didn't answer all of your questions. But somehow, even in their uncertainty, they testified to what they had found in Jesus sharing with you, even in their uncertainty, of why it is that they have their hope in him. And you know, John the Baptist wasn't any different. You might know that later in John's life, he was put in prison by one of the Herods. And from prison, he sends a note with his disciples to go to Jesus and to ask him this important question. John says to his disciples, ask Jesus, is he the one, or are we to wait for another? John the Baptist isn't sure. He has doubt as he sits in that prison. And Jesus sends word back to John through his disciples. He says to John's disciples, he says, tell them, tell John, remember what he saw that the deaf can hear that the lame can walk that the blind can see remember what you witnessed my friends that's what we're called to in this life of faith in fact as I was thinking about this sermon over the course this week I thought that's pretty much what I do every week up here is just witness I don't tell you how all this works I don't remember giving you a formula to get your prayers answered or to get God to do what we want God to do. I don't, I don't think I've ever given that to you because, well, I don't know the answer. But I can tell you of what God's done in my life. And I can tell you through the stories of Scripture of what God's done in other lives. And we can feel confident in the witnesses we have received. Think of the story even of Jesus' birth which we'll hear enacted next Sunday at 10 a.m. All the people that witnessed Jesus' birth, the shepherds, Mary, Joseph, the innkeeper, the wise men, even Herod in his rage, witnesses Jesus' birth in the actions he takes upon learning that a new king is born. We're called only to witness We can say, I don't know how all this works, but I can tell you what I do with what's important to me. I take it to Jesus. He's the one I can trust with it, to work it out, to help me find my way. I don't know where I am right now, but I know the one who accompanies me. That's what we're called into. It's that simple. In a moment I'm gonna ask actually if the ushers and um, would you take the index cards you all and disperse them come now and the ushers too, just grab a handful and start passing them down the pews we have a lot so you can give five in a pew you know you don't have to put them out one at a time like you used to do in the school days you know looking down the chair row go 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 thank you thank you go give them to people what's taking you so long So just give, give people two or three just to expedite this. You know, on the first Sunday of Advent, we passed around a basket with um, little pins, diaper pins in them, and I encouraged you to treat them like a prayer tool. I invited you to not be too stuffy with language, and we could use a little pun here, this diaper pin we could use to remind us that we can pin our hopes on Jesus. And so what I'm inviting you to to do now with this little piece of paper is to articulate what you long for, what hope you do have. And in a moment when the music is playing and being sung, you're going to be invited to come forward and to place your hope in the manger. If it's confidential, put confidential on it. I'm going to pray for everything that's put in here. Now, my prayers aren't any more efficacious than your prayers are, but praying is what I do with what's important. And I'm going to make the assumption that what you bring into this manger is what's important. So I invite you, as the music is playing, to take the moment to consider what it is that you want to put into Jesus' care and when you feel ready to come forward and to place it in the manger. Amen.